From the West Coast to the coast of Red Lake. Shouts out to all my indigenous people out there. First Nation people. We we love and support you. All wa- all lives won't matter until indigenous lives matter, until black lives matter, until Latinx lives matter. The genocide of the indigenous American people is like, it's one of the greatest atrocities that is so ignored by everyone. And it's really fucked up. Here is our indigenous word of the day. It is washte. What's that mean? And that means great. My cousin was messaging me right before his birthday in May, and he said, he said, washte. And I was like, what is that? It's spelled waste mm. for some reason, but it is uh, pronounced washte. Washte. And uh, it just means great. Let's hope we have a washte podcast. Yeah, I think so. We're off to a rip and start already. I'm like glad <laughs> I got that off my he, chest at the jump. Like, that is Dakota or Santi Sue, sick. by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Cool. Now I'm ready to Chilenga, talk basketball. Let's talk about uh-huh. basketball. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Chalanga, basketball is over for the Minnesota Timberwolves fans. How Finally. does that make you feel? They invited 22 teams, and we are not going to have Minnesota basketball for the next nine months. Dude, that's fine. Put us out of our fucking misery. Like I don't, I don't need to see any more <laughs> of that. No, I'm just kidding. I actually would, would have loved for the Wolves to be able to play a little bit because I think we all are curious to see if D'Lo and Towns is something or nothing. You know, I'm a little bit want to believe that it's probably nothing, but I, I want to see it in action before I cast judgment. Yeah, our my inclinations are that our defense will be atrocious, but then my heart, my brain inclinations are that, but my heart is saying D'Angelo Russell will invoke his Jimmy Butler blocking ability throughout the rest of his career. <laughs> So uh, I think it's a, I think it's a bad thing, obviously, for our franchise that we're not going to be playing organized basketball for nine months, and hopefully they'll be able to do some type of scrimmaging or some type of com- create a competitive atmosphere in a basketball setting before Christmas hits and we get into the next basketball season. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am very excited for our draft pick, Denny of D. I looked up the pronunciation. Um, the uh, Israeli uh, basketball player. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited for him. I think he would fit into our system really well of not playing any defense. His stock has um, been falling. Really? Yeah. Well, th- maybe we c- maybe we could get rid of our, one of our picks and keep the Brooklyn one. Then, what's your th- what are your thoughts on our draft? I guess. Yeah i i I have to think that Rosas is going to try to trade that pick. But as far as, you know, available talent, because we got to be thinking we're probably going to be in the top five. Um, we could trade down for Denny because I think he's going to fall. And I would be interested in that. But, uh, you know, international prospects are always iffy. Um, but he played in a really good league. And at the very least, he'll be able to pass and shoot because that's what he's shown. I'm really interested in Obi Toppin. He's hyper athletic. He can't really shoot, but like, <laughs> he's horrible for a system. I know, but like, can you imagine him and Jarrett Culver out there spreading the floor, dude? I think I think what it is is I was so high on Brandon Clark, and Obi Toppin is similar in his like size and athleticism. Um, 
Does he have the defensive capabilities of Brandon Clark? No, he's not the he's not the defender that Brandon Clark um, is. But he's a better offensive player. Like he's got he's got a little bit more skill. Although Brandon Clark is like came in with a floater like that was brilliant somehow. I don't I don't really know how he just like overnight developed that. But anyway, I have good feelings about Obi Toppin, and I think he's going to be a good player. But he doesn't quite fit our system, which is too bad. Lamella Ball doesn't fit our players either like our roster so i this is that yeah that's why i don't like this pick in the top five at least then if we're not if danny of of dia is not in the top five that is yeah it's just tough because we can't really trade it with anything because like malik beasley is probably our best trade asset but we're gonna have to resign him which means we're not going to be able to trade him until december so it's it's just it's confusing it's a it's a gonna be really interesting to see what they do but if they can trade down for a couple picks i think that that might be um, the way to go because I think the value is going to be in the late lottery and just outside the lottery um, because there's so much uncertainty in the in the lottery. Speaking of trading, uh, Gerson actually released a comment. He was speaking with John Krasinski, I believe, and on the Athletic, where he said, "I am excited about what we potentially could do here at the draft." Getting a high-end talent or multiple young players that could help us or using those resources to get some veterans in here or guys that are more ready to win. So there is a real possibility that Rosas is planning for another big trade a la the D'Angelo Russell and what is that, a four-teamer? Yeah, it was a four-teamer. So in that same vein, I have decided to bring back Chalanga's favorite, a trade machine segment <sighs> yes, for the Timberwolves. Yes. And Chalenga decided to go way too far in this and include trades that have nothing to do with the Timberwolves just because. And we're going to let him speak about it because right now we cannot silence black voices. That's right. You, I get the right to do whatever I want whenever I want <laughs> right now. So Chalenga, let's start with some trades. Start with a medium trade. I want to garner interest, but I, so I, I want to m- maybe make your worst trades to be like the second or third one in. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I do have a Minnesota trade, but it, it is a three-teamer, so I'm, I'm going to hold off on it. Um, so I guess I'll start with some, some Brad Beal trades, right? Because Brad Beal kind of seems like the next big guy to get traded. Um, and so a few places that I could see Brad Beal. So, so the, the one that seems like so obvious to me and, and I think there's a good chance that could happen would be Brad Beal and Golden State. Um, and it would be something like Andrew Wiggins, Eric Pascal, and then Golden State's pick this year, like the player that they pick. Um, although that would kind of fuck up the salary but they also have minnesota's first round pick next year and their second round pick um and they could, that minnesota first is going to be the most powerful one it's the most yeah. powerful asset yes that. it's going to be super powerful um and then you know maybe a 2023 golden state pick and a 2025 golden state pick as well just to give washington plenty of picks but with that washington gets a bunch of firsts um they get andrew wiggins who people still have hope in for some reason and Eric Pascal, who is an interesting 24-year-old rookie who showed scoring ability this year. Um, that trade really only works if Brad Beal is 
demanding out. Otherwise, Washington would never take that. Um, because until Bradley Beal says that he wants out, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I don't really like this trade at all. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, I still think, is a negative asset. I, I don't really care what the talking heads are saying. And he had a fine season last year, but he's becoming the player that he is going to be, and he's not going to be a positive player. He's, he will be, at best, a neutral starter in the NBA. Yeah, and I think I did this one just because I really want to see Curry, Beal, Clay. That, like, is mouth-watering to me. Ugh. <laughs> Why don't you go let your mouth water with Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo? All right, all right. Uh, I think the Wolves can can give a better uh, package than that. Okay, what do you think? Bradley Bill, obviously, and then they are going to sign and trade Chris Chioza. I don't know these guys though, uh, and Garrison Matthews, just because I needed some guys on the minimum to make like the amount of players work. I don't think that the Wizards are going to want to take on too many more players than they're giving up. So. I sent the Wizards four Timberwolves players, and I wanted to kind of even it out. And those four players are James Johnson. Uh, he'll be on a $15.8 million one-year deal. They'll be an expiring for them. That can be another asset, and which is a good asset, I think. That's a player option, right? Which, like, yep, he's definitely going to take. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no way he's not going to take it. He's not worth $15.8 million in this market, mm-hmm. especially with the way that the cap's trending. Jacob Evans, I just sent because he was like, I was literally hundreds of thousands of dollars away from being able to get this done. Mm -hmm. Omari Spellman. And then the other uh, human asset is Jarrett Culver. He is 6.1 million, and he and James Johnson were almost able to make that work by themselves. I just needed to make a quick few twerks, tweaks, twerks. Let's say twerks. Uh,. Okay, so so the other thing that I sent them was our first round pick this year, which will be top five, and then our first round pick or our Brooklyn first round pick as well. So the which probably will convey the only assets they're getting are Jarrett Culver and two picks in this year's draft, which is a weak draft. Sort of the worst draft. I could give them a twenty twenty two pick as well, but. Uh, I just think James Johnson is a much better salary fill than Andrew Wiggins. Andrew, Andrew Wiggins is going to take up a lot of space for them. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be difficult to get rid of in if he ends up tanking, which could easily be the case, especially in a with a franchise like Washington. I would rather take James Johnson and be able to move off of that salary. It, if they are going to move Bradley Beal, that means that they want to move their salary. That means they're probably going to want to move John Wall as well, I would think. Right. And they're gonna, in that case, they're going to want to be able to get mm-hmm. off of money, and they're not going to be able to get off of money if they're with Andrew Wiggins, and that's that's not a very good blow-up for them. This is a better blow-up, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm totally with it. Um, I had I came up with kind of another fun, fun blow-up for the Wizards. Yeah. Okay. It's a three-teamer. So... Ooh. In this deal, this deal is uh, contingent on Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, taking his player option for $20 million, uh in this coming season, which I think he will. But I could, I mean, there's a chance that because the free agent market is so slim, he could get another big contract. Um, and he did have a, he, he had a good year this year. And I think he kind of changed people's minds about how good of a player he is. Anyway, um, it's contingent on him taking his $20 million player option. So here's what happens. 
Washington gets Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson, and either Seth Curry and DeLon Wright from <laughs> Dallas. This is horrible. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Then they send Bradley Beal to Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City sends Chris Paul to Dallas. Oh. Yeah. Dallas gets their third fiddle in Chris Paul. And at this point, like, Chris Paul would be a perfect third option. Right? Like, he's not he's not driving winning. But if he's your third best player, your team is pretty fucking good. I don't fucking know. On his vegan diet that he's been on lately, he has been a first option on a playoff team. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, but it's not a championship team. So, like, yeah. uh, but he would be an incredible third option on a championship team. Um, and he might even you be second option. He might be better than Porzingis. I'm not sure. just can't quit Dallas, no matter how much you can't quit Luka, no matter how much you hate Mark Cuban and Kristaps and... <laughs> The hiring practices. I love Luca until Luca proves me wrong. Like <laughs> until Luca does something <laughs> horrible, I love him. Until he is influenced by Kristaps Porzingis. So the the other piece of this <laughs> is that Oklahoma City has like a huge, massive amount of picks, and they would need to send Washington a lot of picks because, I mean, the only like actual asset that Washington is getting in this is Jalen Brunson who is an old second-year player, but he showed a lot of promise and potential this year. Um, so Washington might do this, but it's like, once again, contingent on Bradley Beal saying, get me out of here. And there are a lot of Clippers picks. And I know that there's uncertainty as to whether Kawhi and Paul George will stay together or even like how much longer their careers will be mm-hmm. that effective because of their injury history. Um, well, but I think the I think the we, more enticing picks are the Rockets picks because the Rockets are on the precipice of implosion. Like they're close to being done. As, so you send the Rockets pick. The, my only issue with that is that like Daryl Morey always finds a way to get out of it and win, and that the Clippers are going to be another franchise like that under Steve Ballmer. You know, right, right. I just wonder if Daryl Morey is going to stay for that much longer. I uh, am getting the sense that he doesn't like it there very much. Um, but that's that's just through, like, you know, Bill Simmons talking and the fucking China shit and all that. So I, I don't actually know anything, but that's just kind of... That's my, my thought on it. Maybe it'll finally happen. And even if it does happen, you know, Oklahoma City thought they were blowing it up this year, and then they ended up being the five seed or four seed or whatever they are. Yeah, I mean, they're in a perfect position to not have to do any blowing up. And they can just take the deals that come to them because they have yeah. Shea, who is looks like the second or third option on a championship level team. Like he looks really good. Um, and Chris Paul's trade value will only grow the less years he has on his contract because I think he's going to be able to play well for you know well into his late thirties because he's just he just gets the game so well. And he's taking care of his body. He's taking care of his body really, really well. So I, oh, I would love to be an Oklahoma City fan because they are in a really, really nice spot. Anyway, must be nice. That's a great trade. I like it. I actually do really like that trade. Cool. I think that that's more realistic probably than the Timberwolves trade. So you win the Bradley Beal sweepstakes and you send him to Oklahoma City. The next player that all the Timberwolves fans are excited about is none other than. 
Devin Booker for many very, very obvious reasons. This trio would be a perfect trifecta of friendship, of basketball, of offense, and of even less defense than Bradley Beal can provide. How could we get Devin Booker to the Timberwolves? I've created a couple trades that have done that. You've created a couple trades. I think you did a Devin Booker trade that did not involve the Timberwolves. Yes, I did. So break our hearts, Chalanga. What do you got? Okay, so I think that your Timberwolves trades are going to be better than my trade that I did. I Ooh, good. I sent Devin Booker to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this trade, the Phoenix Suns get Dwayne Dedman, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins. And... The uh, Hawks get Devin Booker. Um, there's a little bit of room in this trade for a possible other player like a Ty Jerome, uh, Jalen LeCue, Elia Kobo, one of the, the low-level salary guys on the, on the Suns, depending on who the Hawks like. <laughs> this would give the Hawks a three-headed tandem of Trey Young, Devin Booker, Clint Capella, which is interesting to me. That's a lot of scoring. Clint Capella is one of the best uh, role men in the league, which is great for Devin Booker and Trey Young. And like the 2K player in me wants uh, Devin Booker and Trey Young to play together. <laughs> How about this? A Javon Carter. Yeah, Javon Carter. They get their would be backup awesome. point guard. Yeah, and get some defense in there. Javon Carter is awesome. I love Javon Carter. For Phoenix, this like they get John Collins, who, who has all star potential. DeAndre Hunter, who I'm not sure if he'll put it all together. Um, but if he does, could be the best player in this trade. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. But like with his <laughs> defensive capabilities and his feel for the game, there's a chance. Um, and then Dwayne Dedman, who's a solid backup center, like w- probably one of the best backup centers in the league. Um, so yeah, I think that these two teams might do it. Okay, so what kind of picks? could they send right now so dallas is 2021 which is probably not a very good one and i i I believe they have all their own picks as well here so maybe they'd have to send their own from this year because i think this is going to be the best asset i think they're making the playoffs next year so it doesn't matter yeah they have their pick next year beyond that and they have all their picks moving forward plus a thunder top 14 protected pick in the future blah blah blah. so they mostly have their own okay so they're going to have to send their own pick this year, and I don't see that as being as enticing as the Timberwolves' first-round pick this year. So I think we got a chance at getting Devin Booker still. Yeah, what are, you, what are your trades? Okay, so my first Devin Booker trade, I have three Devin Booker trades. Uh, my first one, the Timberwolves get Devin Booker and Tariq Owens. Once again, just trying to keep the players a little bit even here so that teams, I mean, I'm sure that people will get cut and stuff, but whatever. The Suns will get uh, James Johnson once again. Great expiring for the Suns to to take. And then Juancho Hernan Gomez, who we have re-signed to something pretty reasonable, around $5 million a year possibly. And Jarrett Culver. Then on top of it, we send them Brooklyn and 2020 first-round pick. I love this trade 
and I hate this trade because it leaves us with no power forwards except Jake Lehman. <laughs> so we're only playing small ball four. Dude, Jake Jake Lehman, super underrated. I'm I'm like I am a Jake Lehman stan. I love him. Um I and I I think if we had, had watched him play more this year, uh we would all love him way more. Um this is interesting. The Wolves don't need power forwards. It's fine. Like Replacement level power forward, I feel like, is findable. Findable for sure. Luol Dang, you know, like <laughs> we can find well, someone. Not now, but yeah, we, that's he, we did find Luol Dang, and he played a great ten games for us. Yeah, you know, it's like those those players exist. Um, Luke Richard and Bamute. Well, like, where's he at? Come on, S- somewhere, somewhere. Uh, fucking Dragon Bender, DJ Wilson. You know, like these players exist, um, and they're gettable. So. Uh, that's interesting. I like that. I, I think that's probably a little bit better than mine. Yeah, I think it's probably the more realistic of any of these, but I wanted to dig a little bit deeper anyway mm-hmm. because I was tantalized by some of the members on the Suns roster. And so my next trade, the Suns get James Johnson, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Omari Spellman, and Jarrett Culver. And okay. the Timberwolves get Devin Booker and Dario Saric. Also, this is given that we're going to give at least our... A hundred uh, picks? <laughs> Dude. Well, yeah, at least... Okay, th- we're going to have to get both of those first-round picks. And maybe our 2022 first round as well. Yeah. I think that if we're going to want... To, I, I Honestly, if we're going to get Devin Booker away from Phoenix, one, Devin Booker is going to have to put up a stink. Two... It's going to take a lot of picks. I think that he is overvalued, but he is like a, a really valuable asset. I think Devin Booker's value comes from being the like third offensive option on a really good team. Like if he's kind of your spot up shooter guy, then like your team is tight. I don't know if I believe in him as like a first or second option on a really good team because he hasn't done anything but lose. So, right. And this year he tried to at least they started out uh playing a lot better and he was not necessarily the type of first offensive option that he was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um still very eff- effective, but he was playing defense and that was the difference. He was he's been playing a lot better on defense this year. Um and he's got size for, you know, he's 6-5. And um, he doesn't have the athleticism, maybe, that some of the great guard defenders have. But uh, I don't think he's as lost as... I mean, he's definitely not as lost as a Trey Young or anything like that. But I, I, I don't think... I think he has the tools. And he's very young. He's three years younger than Bradley Beal. Yeah. So that's we, one of the reasons why I like Devin Booker a little bit better for the Timberwolves is because Bradley Beal's a win-now type of move, and I want to win in three years. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that, you know... We have definitely changed our tune on Devin Booker um, now that <laughs> the Wolves are interested in acquiring Devin Booker. Um, <laughs> that's just to be, you know, just to be upfront. We talked a lot of shit about Devin Booker, but and D'Lo and D'Lo, yeah. But you know, Devin Booker has shown some growth, and he is still young. And the Phoenix Suns are a worse organization than the Timberwolves somehow. <laughs> Robert Sarver uh, is a worse owner somehow. Yeah. Glenn Taylor. So, you know, there's hope. And it, honestly, 
when you have to watch Andrew Wiggins for so long, anybody else, like, you just want to believe. You just want to believe, right? You just want to believe in anybody else. So, Okay, so Devin Booker has still... He, he won the most games that he has ever as an NBA player this season, and it was 26 games. Damn. Damn, 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 <laughs> damn. They might have been able to crack 30 if the season went on, but yeah. That still is so rough, dude. Atrocious. That sucks. He's never cracked 30. And I guess with the way that the regular season is happening, I don't think that they're going to crack. They might not win a game. Yeah. Like, they're going to be playing only teams that are better than they are. Yeah, that's going to be really shitty for the Phoenix Suns in Orlando. Um, cool. I don't think Devin Booker shows up. And he shouldn't. Yeah, and and we'll get to that. I've got a couple more trades, though. Okay. Um, no Devin Booker trades? No more Devin Booker trades. No, do you have another Devin Booker trade? Yeah, I'm going to do my last Devin Booker cool. trade because this was the most juicy trade I could find on the internet. Sick. Honestly... You're going to want to unzip for this one because the Suns receive James Johnson and D'Angelo Russell. And the Timberwolves receive Devin Booker and Ricky himself. Yes. Oh. Richard Fuck. Rubio. I knew Richard you were going R. there. Rubio. Yes. <laughs> Give me that. Give me that. I think that that is a championship-level team. Richard Rubio... Devin Booker, Malik Beasley at the three with Josh Akogi, Jake Lehman, and we keep Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Carl Anthony Towns holding up the center position. Yeah, so what Malik Beasley is our is our bench guy. I mean, he's he's our bench scorer. That's that's great. I right. love that. Exactly. I love that. I don't, I'm not going to go championship level, championship level, <laughs> but possible playoff team. Yes. <laughs> Ricky Rubio is has made the Suns into the greatest Suns team in four years. Yeah. At 26 wins. <laughs> and the only difference is basically R- Ricky Rubio and Dario Saric. Yeah. So that Ricky Rubio, winning basketball player. I like that. Um, I, I can't see the Suns doing that. Also, like, I just feel bad. I can't for... see the Timberwolves doing that, D'Lo. <laughs> Yeah, going on. just getting Im- getting him and then trading him immediately, just making Carl so mad. He finally found love. <laughs> he finally found love. Um, also, I just I feel bad for D'Lo. Like, I don't want him to get traded ever again. <laughs> I know. I actually do love D'Lo so much. Yeah, he's so young, and he's actually like, he seems like a cool guy. He was so like at the beginning of all this uh, uprising shit, he was very much just like on vacation traveling. And it's like, oh, dude, chill. Um, but then he figured it out and came and showed up and did some protesting, blah, 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 which is cool. Chalanka, do you have any other trades that we can insert into this beautiful segment that you are so excited? Yeah, for? I have two trades. I have. So full disclosure, I do have another Bradley Beal trade, but I needed to save it because. Oh, God, because it was so good. It's going to make you shit your pants. It's actually so bad. Um well, it's a good thing I do all of these podcasts from the toilet then. All right, this is a four-teamer, um, and it works. I've ch- I've checked it out. It works. In this trade between the Washington Wizards, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Orlando Magic, and the New Orleans Pelicans, here's what, here's what goes down. 
Washington trades Bradley Beal to the Milwaukee Bucks. In exchange, they get Terrence Ross from Orlando, George Hill from Milwaukee, Dante DiVincenzo from Milwaukee, and Josh Hart from New Orleans. As well as, you know, we can talk about the picks, but I figure Orlando has to... Terrence Ross was the first guy? Yeah. Okay. I figure Orlando has to throw in a pick, and then Milwaukee has to throw in a couple picks. Um, Yeah, because there aren't enough... I mean, that actually... Those are all, like, kind of solid to... Will be solid players in the NBA for a little bit yeah. of time, but there isn't anything that's like the high upside that they would be looking for with a Bradley Beal trade, right? So it's not quite a re like a restart. It's just kind of a reshuffle because this is like in this situation, John Wall comes back and looks okay, but Brad Beal is unhappy, um, and so they get Divincenzo and Hart, who are some like young prospects who have some upside. And then Terrence Ross and Hill, who are, you know, players that can help you win games today. Plus, an Orlando pick, a couple Milwaukee picks, in the like in the distant future. So there's some there's some assets. Um, Milwaukee gets Brad Beal. Orlando gets Eric Bledsoe from Milwaukee, which kind of solves their point guard problem that they've been having. Um, so they lose Terrence Ross, but they get Eric Bledsoe. Brad Beal. Who- or yeah, they get Eric Bledsoe, which is better. Yep, and that's why they have to send a pick to Washington because you know I think Eric Bledsoe is worth a you know top ten protected pick, top five protected pick at this point. Um, and then New Orleans to make the money work gets James Ennis from Washington, and then Orlando throws in another future pick a second or maybe a heavily protected first because new orleans is giving up josh hart um but my logic there is that new orleans has a lot of young players and they can't keep them all and so they would be interested in you know acquiring a non-financial asset to um in instead of paying josh hart does that make sense it does and it's very clear that all you want to do is watch Bradley Beal, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo destroy the league. I like, yeah, that would like instantly, small market teams. Oh my god, oh my god, that would instantly Unite. make Milwaukee so much better. Um, and granted, they would lose George Hill, who was like a really solid backup. But for how long? You know, he's he's getting up there in. You can find backup point guards in the NBA. Oh yes, you can. I believe Trey Burke is available right now. Um, <laughs> anyway. McLaughlin will be available. Jordan McLaughlin. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, well, I think the Wolves are going to sign him. Anyway, so well, Milwaukee is going to mortgage their draft picks, like as many as they need, because then they're going to have three all-stars, two, two all-stars and an MVP <laughs> uh, competing in the East. Um, and they will... They would walk away with the title at that point. I'm convinced. Like that would be such an upgrade for them um, if they could pull this off. Love it. I love that for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think that the Wizards are going to take that, but wonderful. Anyway, do you have any more trades for us, Chalanga? I have one more, and this is a Minnesota specific trade. It's a it's a three teamer, and uh, I, I can can I go first since yeah. I have one more? Yes, of course. I wanted to surprise you with one player because. 
everybody's talking about uh, Booker. Everybody's talking about Beal. I want to talk about another player that I think might be not so happy where he is anymore, as he was maybe last year. And so the Nets are going to get James Johnson and Amari Spellman in our 2020 first-round pick. And the Timberwolves will receive Karis LeVert. I love it. On a $16.2 million contract for three years. Do you think that that's possible? They need a they need a power forward in Brooklyn. They don't have one because Rodion's is not playing nearly as well as he was last year. And uh, James Johnson and Omari Spellman, I think, would provide them with a bit more size at the four, which is kind of something that they need at this point. Yeah, well, I think it kind of depends on how what they view KD's role as. Um, if if they want KD to play most of the minutes at the four, then they're going to want to keep Levert to play the three. But if they feel like KD can slide between the three and the four, then this is interesting. I guess I, I just I don't know what their thoughts on what KD's role is because obviously we haven't we haven't seen them play. Um, yeah, and my other thought was that Karis LeVert isn't going to get any ball time in this system. Mm-hmm. And between Dinwiddie and and Kyrie, and I don't know, Dinwiddie needs to be re-signed this year, I guess, too. But yeah, um, and KD, but like, there's a lot of ball hogging going on here, and I don't think that KD can be your only power forward on the roster. And at this point, he's the only viable option. So yeah, and you know, James Johnson has playoff experience, and that is something that they're going to really value in. Brooklyn I think that this could be possible I think that there would have to be some like internal um unrest with Karis Levert but I I also think that if Karis Levert became available there would be a lot of teams interested and I just wonder what what other deals would be out there but I I like this I like this as as a as an idea this is that's really smart Dylan that's some some bare bones. We might have to send a little bit more, as you were saying, to because some other teams might be interested and bring up his value a little bit more. And he is a wing and a defender. Yeah, and he will go on the market a lot for a lot more than a typical uh, guard or a typical forward would. For sure, for sure. Um, I also so another player that I did some trades with that I'll share with you off pod um, is Rudy Gobert. I could see him being on the move um, because it's, it sounds like his relationship with Donovan Mitchell has still not been fully repaired. And I think the Jazz would be more interested in keeping Mitchell than Gobert. My final trade that I'm going to share with you is a three-teamer. And this is a trade that does involve the Minnesota Timberwolves, but it's not the focus of this trade. The focus of this trade is to try to fix the 76ers and... Um, oh, there's no fixing. And make the Warriors awesome uh, because <laughs> I, uh, I love uh, I love because Steph Curry. Because you just can't <laughs> quit. You can't quit Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Okay, so here's what happens. All right. Who is it? Oh, God, who is it? Golden State gets Josh Richardson and what? Ben Simmons. From what? Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. They send Clay Thompson and Eric Pascoe 
to the 76ers. This is why people riot, Chalanga. Philadelphia also sends Tobias Harris to Minnesota in exchange for D'Angelo Russell. Minnesota gets... Wait, what? Minnesota gets the picks they traded Golden State back plus two Philly picks. Two Philly future picks. (laughs) What? So now Philly has Clay Thompson, D'Lo, and Eric Pascal. Golden State has Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, and Minnesota no. has Tobias Harris and a fuck ton of picks. Okay, I need to go through the starting lineup of the of each team, honestly. Okay, so the okay, starting so lineup of Philly. We have Curry. Okay, yeah. Curry, Richardson, Ben Simmons at the four. The three would be Andrew Wiggins. The five would be Draymond? That would be their, I think that, Crunch time. That would be their crunch time. I think Andrew Wiggins would probably come off the bench, and they would do like a Simmons, Draymond, Looney lineup maybe, or something. I, I don't know. They, they would have to... Maybe Simmons at the five. Simmons has the has the. But I'm saying and... that crunch time lineup of Simmons, Draymond, Wiggins, Richardson, Curry, it's intriguing. It's intriguing. <laughs> I don't think that they can win the championship like that. <laughs> That's psycho. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, also in this trade, I'm hoping the Warriors can figure something out with Andrew Wiggins because I just want to. I just want to su- surround Ben Simmons with people who can Shooters. hit who can hit shots. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Andrew Wiggins will never be that. No, but Steph Curry and Josh Richardson can hit a lot of shots, so that's a start. Unfortunately, they have to get rid of Clay Thompson. There was there was no way to really do it. The second greatest three point shooter in history, possibly. I know, I know, but it's like <laughs> I'm high. I'm high on Ben Simmons. I'm really, really high on Ben Simmons. Okay, so the 76ers lineup would be then Clay, Embiid, Clay at the two, Embiid mm-hmm. at the five. Yep. Horford at the uh, four. Horford at the four. D'Angelo Russell. At the one. Oh yeah, D'Angelo at the one. Ooh, that. Mm, ooh. And then their three, they would have to figure out. That would be probably what's his name, the the rookie. Oh yeah, uh, Thibel, Matisse Thibel. Matisse Thibel, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Simmons and Embiid are never gonna work. So just like, let's can it. Oh no, it will never, never, never work between those two, and we need to create a new relationship for ben simmons because his time in philadelphia has been wasted by people who can't shoot and then you know minnesota gets tobias harris which is kind of a negative asset but they get some picks back and i think that tobias harris plus like three or four picks is probably worth more than d'angelo russell so it's like it's an upward move, even though it feels kind of like a backward move, you know? I, it's just, it seems like the right kind of move to get yourself fired, but also maybe the right front office move from a mind standpoint. But yeah, it's just like. So you, so you have, who is our point guard at that point? Because we don't have a point guard. We don't have a point guard. Um, yeah, we, we trade away our point LaMelo guard. Ball. Exactly. You know, like. So our lineup would be LaMelo, Malik Beasley. Tobias Harris, uh, Wancho, Jake Lehman. Or we still have Wancho. We still have Josh James do Johnson. Think, do you think? Yeah. And then Josh Okogie's in there, and then Cat 
at the five. So that's pretty solid. It's solid. Rookie point guard is tough, but we have Unless Tobias Harris and we have a bunch of picks. We can see how Malik Beasley plays. We have Wancho. We have James Johnson. So there, there's flexibility. You know, maybe uh, maybe we can flip James Johnson and two first round picks for Ricky Rubio. Yeah, or Spencer <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know. Like, okay, yeah. Um, that doesn't work financially at all. Uh, but you you well, we don't know what Spencer Dinwiddie is signing for. He's signing for Bitcoin. Remember, dude? Yeah, that was a flop. He has not made close to the amount of money that he. <laughs> was trying to make i wasn't gonna pay him to come play for my nba team no that's that was so um that was just let so the owners pay tone deaf that's just like <laughs> let's let the billionaires pay okay uh chalinga next on the docket we have Kyrie's choice oh yeah i can't wait to get devin booker on the timberwolves but the nba is restarting for now the timberwolves might not be playing but a lot of our favorite teams will be playing. It looks like so. There's a so here's the timeline of things that happen. Um, the NBA went to the Players Association and said, "We want to approve a start." And the Players Association was like, "Absolutely, let's vote on it now." And the Players Association all voted yes, including Kyrie, who was one of the player representatives who voted yes to a restart. Now, in fairness to Kyrie. There were not many details at the time as to what was going to happen. Although, in fairness to logic, it was pretty obvious to me and to many professionals who are actually professional, not me, (laughs) um, that he wouldn't be able to get into this bubble. Because the way that this virus works is that you can't have significant contact with an extreme large amount of people Mm -hmm. so any player who's going to be injured obviously you're not going to be able to visit the bubble just like on a whim but he found out on the 10th according to kendrick perkins i guess that he was would not be able to visit the bubble and that's when he started to to feel uneasy about what was going on he framed it as he wanted to promote social justice and 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 he thought that NBA might serve as as a distraction, which is completely fair. Definitely a reason to bring up issues. Um, And I want to be completely fair to Kyrie and say, yes, those reasons are legitimate. But at the same time, say that on June 5th, you should not have automatically voted yes in that case. Because June 5th was 10 days after the George Floyd murder happened and by that time we all were in the throes of protesting and of speaking out and uh doing whatever we could to right the wrong that had happened Mm -hmm. so that's my issue with Kyrie. i also have issues with the fact that this is a union and unions have to stay strong and they have to stay together because when unions faction when they split apart they um, they become weaker. SAG-AFTRA has experienced this. People are doing non-union projects and weakening the union every time. Um, and every time a union can't agree with each other, the owners get more more powerful. And that's why people are concerned about the CBA being ripped up, especially with all of these salaries uh, becoming an issue when the, uh, when the revenue goes down. Mm-hmm. The players need to stay 
unionized, uniformed together. They must be comrades. And that was my issue, number one issue with, with Kyrie. My number two issue was Kyrie didn't come with a plan. He didn't, he, he didn't decide to say no with a plan. He decided to say no first and then create a plan for uh, the way that they could progress. Um, and thankfully, Avery Bradley... Uh, he did an interview with ESPN. And in the interview, he said, the actual act of sitting out doesn't directly fight systematic racism or systemic racism. But it does highlight the reality that without black athletes, the NBA wouldn't be what it is today. The league has a responsibility to our communities in helping to empower us, just as we have made the NBA brand strong. Um, and then he, he goes on to say, don't put all of the weight on your player to take care of the issue. If you care about us, you can't remain silent and in the background. I mean, I think that is like a, a, a perfect capturing of what needs to happen. Because the NBA is going to restart no matter what. But at this point, it's it's on the owners, these multi-billionaire owners who are pulling the strings for these millionaire black athletes to say, yes, we do care about you. We, it's not just about the money for us. I mean, it is about the money, obviously, because they own an NBA team. But we are <laughs> we want to be a part of the solution. I agree with all of those generalities and all of the abstract like feelings that people have regarding negative feelings that people have regarding billionaire owners and that they should be doing more to raise awareness about social injustices, right? Mm -hmm. I do want to see more of a plan from them where they say we want, let's say they come up with a program to make sure front offices become more diverse and represent the NBA body as a whole more often because this is an 80% black league, I believe, from what I've seen. Yeah. So honestly, 80% of the front office should reflect that in mm -hmm. an ideal, in a perfect ideal world. And I think it's like 7% of front offices are uh, people of color. And Gerson Rosas, I think, is, oh, he's the only Latino or Latinx, he happens to be Latino, I guess, front office member. Yeah. And, uh, or executive front office person. And uh, there are only a couple black front office people. Elton Brand, is he still the 76ers uh, GM? Yep, he is. And then James Jones, off the top of my head. Yep, yep, yep. For the Suns. Yep. So if you are counting off names like that, where like Hispanic, the Hispanic, uh, the number of Hispanic people in the NBA is is pretty large, like international Hispanic people. And the amount of black athletes in the NBA is pretty large, and yet they're being so underrepresented. Well, I would like to see them go for that change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to happen in June of this year. Do you have anything else you want to you want to say about this? About specifically what they said? Yeah, I mean, I want to talk just about what Avery Bradley said about the the owners needing to step up and not be silent. Um so I was looking at a list of like the the NBA owners uh net worth. Um Steve Ballmer is the the wealthiest of the NBA owners, owners by a large margin, but um 
he makes his net worth is like fifty one point four billion dollars, which is insane. Uh, and I I did a little math. So uh, the average NBA team spends spent one hundred twenty three million dollars on salary this year. You multiply that by thirty. That's three point six nine billion dollars. Steve Ballmer could pay NBA salary for approximately 13 years by himself with no other income based on his net worth. So the problem that Avery Bradley sees is that these billionaires are controlling these black and brown millionaires, you know, so like these people are super rich, but there's still that massive, massive wealth inequality between the owner and the player who was making that owner their money. Um, right. And so most of most of what Balmer is making though himself, most of his capital is from things outside of basketball. Right. So we can't I mean, while we can't force them to uh use their capital from other investments to invest into back into the NBA, it is important to know that, like, to know what Steve Ballmer is doing for communities of color because he is the head of an organization that is primarily BIPOC, you know? Right. I mean, this is an interesting conversation of, like, is it more powerful as NBA players to protest and not play or to play and demand that the, the, the stage that you play on is, is set to be 100% Black Lives Matter focused, you know? So, like, the the argument for protesting and not playing is that all of these players have a platform already, whether they're playing or not. And you run the risk of playing basketball, and then the storyline doesn't necessarily become, this is what we're fighting for. It becomes what happened in tonight's game what's the matchup going to be between the lakers and the clippers what's happening on the court and you know historically the nba has had space for players to to protest and to speak their mind and to be political um but i like i i understand where players are coming from who would rather take this time to like focus solely on social justice um, but the the argument for playing is that if the NBA is willing to bend the rules a little bit for what players can do, if the NBA is willing to let players kind of like form a coalition for like what they should be saying and what they should be broadcasting to the people, then there's really great power and opportunity in every night people being tuned in because they want to see basketball and also hearing the messages that they need to hear. To play or not to play? That is the question. Mm-hmm. And m- personally, I think it's so powerful to play. We're going to be two months out of the protests at that point. And even though the Ferguson protests in 2014 were going on for over a year, I didn't hear about them for over a year. I I wasn't aware that they were going on for over a year, personally. And... I don't I think many people were not. Right. Mostly the people who didn't who needed to hear that stuff 
did not know that those protests were going on. Right. So if we start the league in two months when things have kind of settled out of the 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 media cycle and we keep these ideas going, it's going to be so much more powerful to have the NBA. It will be so much more powerful to have a moment like in 1968, the Olympic Black Power Salute, uh, after I believe it was the 200-meter um, uh, race, uh, with Tommy Smith and John Carlos raising their fists in the air with black gloves on, that poster was in the room of my freshman year friend at Luther College, uh, his dorm room, Ken Ucabula. And I, I had known of that, but I was made so much more aware of black issues and the, the plight of people of color in America because of Kenny and because of the, that poster that I saw. And on top of all of that, I would not have had, and I've told you about this off pod, I would not have had any black role models if it weren't for Michael Jordan until I was maybe 10 years old when I started to discover hip hop and uh, Outkast and Kanye West and all of these people in the early 2000s. I was mostly sheltered in a negative way from uh from like awesome black role models and michael jordan was able to break that barrier and lebron james is able to break that barrier for many uh sheltered non-people of color communities and for me it's it's not even a question we need that that's what we need the most on top of the fact that Money begets money in capitalism. And if we're going to live within this system, we have to do whatever we can to put ourselves in the best financial position because what the white owners have done, what all of these uh, white supremacists have done is create capital for themselves so that for every uh, $1 that an African-American or a black person has in America, though a white person has $8. In net worth, this is in net worth. This is not. This is not. Liquid uh, capital. We're not talking. Yeah. Y- yeah. Well, non-liquid capital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about wage discrepancies. Dis- re- wage discrepancies aren't as great, but the in terms of capital, that's what controls our country. And if we want to help our message grow, unfortunately, in this system, we're going to have to grow our capital and. What better way to do that than to I- empower what really is a black business, and right. that is the NBA. And so, um, and we've been talking. Everybody talks on the on social media about like how can we support black businesses? And the NBA, while owned by white people, yes, supports mm-hmm. so many black families mm-hmm. and um, and supports so many black issues. And for me, there is absolutely no question about it. They. They, it's it's their civic duty to play and scream and dribble, as I wrote on Twitter. They 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 should scream and dribble, and it it will change the lives of so many kids who might not be getting those messages otherwise, or who might be on the fence about like what does Black Lives Matter mean, and they might not understand it because of the community that they grow up in. They might not understand what Black Lives Matter means, but they might be encouraged because they're seeing this neutral sports thing and they're getting a message from somebody who deeply cares about this 
and is such an awesome role model for them to be learning from. Poli- politi- so, yeah. Politicized sport is is really powerful. It, it has the capacity to be really powerful. Um, but I really just want to, I want to highlight the element of choice because we don't want to take away choice from these players. And so, like, there are, there are other risks at play. So, like, the NBA is going to go on no matter what. And my hope is just that the NBA acquiesces to the players who show up um, and what their needs are and what they want to see happen um, from a political and, like, uh, protest standpoint. Um, but for players who don't want to show up, I mean, there's, there's a lot of legitimate reasons why they wouldn't want to do it. Um, because there's no chance of winning. <laughs> one, because there's no chance of winning Phoenix Suns. And they're going to have to be away from their families. Sacramento, uh, it's not Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs. You know, like there's a, some teams that are going to be there that have no shot. Um, they're going to have to be away from their families. They're going to have to ramp up for some pretty intense basketball after not playing for four months. And like for players who are on the verge of getting their contract extension, like they could be sacrificing life-changing money for something that feels trivial as far as like the basketball side of things, you know? Um, so I just read actually Davis Bertans has chosen to sit out, <laughs> which is kind of funny because like he is just white Euro guy who wants to get money, but he has every right to like say like, no, I'm not going to go play because I don't want to, you know, sacrifice my life-changing money. Like, I want that. And so, like, if Donovan Mitchell decides not to play because he's on the verge, Kyle Kuzma, you know, these players that are are, are about to get that big check, like, you do you. Um, also, if you're concerned about getting sick, if you're concerned about the coronavirus, you have, like, every right to say, no, thank you. I'm James Harden. I have asthma. If I get coronavirus, I could die. Um and Absolutely. So, like, you have, and that brings us to the older coaches as well. Uh, you were talking about uh, ageism in the NBA before we were podcasting, and I think that, well, as you were saying with taking away choice, Adam Silver suggested that it's possible that he would encourage coaches who are older to not participate, right? Um, which, which is a, which is very dangerous legal territory to be in, mm-hmm. and the reality. In my opinion, of all these coronavirus concerns, in terms of the safety of the bubble, if you want to be with your family, I get it. You have to be away from your family for 45 days or whatever. That's a lot of time to be away from your family, and some of you are having children, obviously. But in terms of the safety of the bubble, you're going to be safer in that bubble than you will be anywhere else. Than Mm -hmm. you will be anywhere else that has opened up their economy at all. Yep. Which is almost every state at this point. Mm -hmm. The one concern is that Florida right now, Orange County specifically, which is where Orlando is, is the second fastest growing number of cases in the state of Florida. The transmission rate is 1.39, the RT, the rate of transmission. And that means for every one person who gets it, they're giving it to 1.39 people, which just, they're the fourth uh, fastest growing uh, transmission rate in the United States. It's possible that these Disney cast members would be able to infect the players because there are they are going to need to be on the campus. Mm-hmm. They will be wearing masks, um, and they're not going to be taking tests every day. Why not just test the cast members every day? Test everyone. If this is how bad... Yeah, 
just test the cast members as as anyone gets to campus they have to be tested i don't understand why they're doing self temperature checks which is it's, it's just asinine to me they can't even check their temperature when they're coming onto campus but be more worried about contracting the coronavirus when you're going to your grocery store than you are when you're on the disney campus that's the reality right you know and there there's a reason that a lot of important people are not getting coronavirus. There's a reason Donald Trump hasn't gotten it or anyone in his cabinet or Joe Biden or blah, blah, blah. Because if you stay in a bubble that is heavily controlled and you're being regularly tested and monitored, you probably will not get it. Um, they will quarantine anybody who does get it so quickly yes, that it will not spread. There's no doubt in my mind that you will be safe in that NBA bubble. Um, but I also can't say, tell anyone, you know, everyone still gets their own choice for their own health because there's still things we don't know about this virus. And the last thing anybody wants is for somebody to die or have a stroke or have some sort of weird complication from it. So, and and that's the whole point, right? Player choice and like empowering uh, people to do what is best for them. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's like no one should have to go if they don't want to. The final thing I'm going to say on this, this could be such a great test testing scenario for how to open up after a pandemic, for how to create uh, in the future, do these types of things earlier so we don't have to cancel seasons for months and months on end, but so that we can have more... Um, so so we can take more action earlier on in in any pandemic situation, which will happen in the future, of course, and, but we'll be so much more prepared because of the lessons that we'll learn from restarting the NBA season. Mm-hmm. And it just makes more sense that we start the NBA than any other than any other of the four major sports, I should say. It it, it may be other than baseball, but uh, there's a limited amount of people mm-hmm. that you need to play basketball and i think this i don't know i'm just hoping that this provides so much research so that we can understand how how diseases transmit how diseases could possibly transmit and specifically obviously coronavirus diseases it'll be such a fun experience i'm with you i'm looking forward to watching basketball and uh i'm looking forward to see how the nba really like uplifts the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, politicizes the the comeback because that that is the necessary piece. Absolutely, and with that, we have our first podcast in a couple months in the books. Whew. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Coming up later. Chalang and I will discuss more specifically social issues and social injustices uh, in the world in general and in Minneapolis and more about the events that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Please like and subscribe so that you can hear that later on iTunes. You can find us on Podient, Spotify, all the platforms. If you want to follow us on the socials, Coast to Coast MBA on Twitter, at Coast to Coast MBA pod on Instagram, Coast to Coast NBA pod at gmail.com. Please email us. Chalanga said that he'd continue the podcast if we got enough emails. If we get 50 emails in the next 50 days <laughs> from fans, <laughs> I'll continue. 
how many Gmail accounts will I have to create in order for that to happen? <laughs> the world may never know. Uh, Chalanga, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a long day. Yeah, seriously. We've been thank you for at putting for your time hours. into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ganj blessed, dude. Is that like a Rasta thing? Yeah, I actually recently converted to Rastafari. So. Well, there you have it, folks. One love. One love. Good night, everybody. Bye.